Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. Stars sang. Chapter 1 The Cherished Child. There was once a very cherished child who lived in a beautiful glass house called the Cherishing Castle. In that castle grew a remarkable tree whose lovely green boughs were filled with thousands of tiny birds. 
the cherished child loved to sing in that glass house to an audience that she could not even see. Since she did not like the sound of applause, for it sounded like thunder, this suited the child quite nicely. Her song was a song of peace, which she sang about the wonderful prince who helped his father, the king, rule the kingdom. Her voice reached high into the heavens by day and often by night. It lilted upon the breeze just as the sound of sweet serenading from the songbirds, which graced the limbs of the magnificent tree. Through the windows of the glass castle, one could see from miles and miles endless clouds that formed myriads of shapes, like crowns and royal scepters. The cherished child had a merry heart because the gift of song filled her soul and thousands of musical notes danced in the breezes in the heavens all about her. One day, her elder brother, the kindly prince, came to visit her. He loved to hear her lift her voice and sing her songs of joy, all for his father's glory. Occasionally, he would come and listen to her newborn songs, for it would cheer him in his travels. One day, after listening to the child sing song upon song, he made his royal request. Will you sing a song of redeeming love, one from the depths of your heart for a weary traveler whose heart is breaking from a load of care? You know I cannot, said the cherished princess, for these songs are not for the ears of anyone, but for the king himself, and for my mother the queen, and for you, my elder brother. These songs are the prayers of my heart. The prince nodded tenderly, but replied, There are many whose hearts desire to sing the song of our Father's love and mercy. There are some who long to witness for themselves that he is a compassionate king with a generous heart. They do not comprehend that our Father the King is merciful. For there are some abroad in the kingdom, above the clouds that have listened to the loathsome lies of our wayward brother. The cherished child looked dismayed. What rumors are these, she mourned. My younger brother has plotted a course of destruction for the souls of the kingdom so that they might lose their way. We are losing precious numbers of souls daily to a horrible battle that is being fought against the truth. Our mother, the queen is very distraught and wishes that those children who are being lulled away by her younger son, by his constant conjectures, might be brought back to the knowledge of light and truth with the gift of a lullaby. I have come to bid you to share the song of your heart with those who are seeking truth and light, said the prince. We wish for the newfound voice of sorrow and contention, which is being noised about the kingdom of heaven to be illuminated by the voice of melody and glad tidings. Our mother the queen is aching that her children should not be lost in realms of outer darkness, but brought back into the knowledge of her pure love by the voice of singing. But I am only one voice, replied the cherished child. Heaven only knows the illuminating power of one morning star that shines with all their might, spoke the prince gently. The child gazed upon his kindly face. He was her elder brother, in whom she took great delight. She saw the grave look of concern in his sunlit eyes. She knew that he would need a universe full of morning stars to shine with all their might to bring the world beneath the clouds hope and love and light. He would need constellations of willing ones who would pierce the darkness and send the illuminating rays of such a high vibration of light, love, and truth to break the barrier between the two worlds. Will you allow me to bring but one weary traveler into this glass room to be filled with the hope of the coming of the Prince of Peace? For the Prince of Darkness has been seeking to discourage many a heart with his ruthless lies, which he has prepared to enslave men's souls with a plan called force. The cherished child nodded her head slowly. If it can help to ease one soul's heartache, then I shall sing the prayers of my heart. 
to your weary traveling friend, but only for just one soul. I do not wish to cast my pearls before those who would not treasure them. With that, the door opened to the glass room, and a traveler that the child had never before met entered. She opened her heart, and the voice of Melody poured from her innermost being. Meekly, the child sang the song of her heart for the fellow traveler. She gazed intently into his eyes as she sang the song of her heart for him. The prince sat close by, listening, with tears of joy glistening in his sunlit azure eyes. The man listened intently, and soon the expression on his face became a soft reflection of the pure love that she voiced to him. Tender tears began streaming his cheeks. How did you know? He whispered to the princess. She looked puzzled. What do you mean? She asked almost reverently. How did you know exactly what I was feeling? My pain was so deep I could not find an expression for it. How did you know what words to sing to me? The child listened intently to the weary traveler and softly spoke. I sing by heart. I listen to the voice of my heart and then I sing the feeling. It's not about the words. The words merely paint a picture of the emotion. I sing what my heart tells me to sing, for the song of my heart is a prayer unto him. It is the only song I know how to sing. She smiled and nodded in the direction of the kindly prince. The prince whispered kindly, It is the song of redeeming love. The old weary traveler was surprised, for he saw that the words the child sang were not written upon a page. They had been voiced from the depths of her innermost soul for him in the very moment he needed to hear them. As you sang, it was like a tiny key unfastened the lock upon my heart, and the fear that has held my heart captive was free. I am no longer afraid of the wayward prince's strategy to capture the hearts of men. This song has reminded me of the truth, and it has set my heart free to believe in love, light, and truth again. Soon now, other souls came to hear the song of redeeming love. Though the words were different each time the child sang, the message of each song remained unchanging, still the same. One by one, the kindly prince would bid the child to share the song of redeeming love with friend and stranger alike. She consented only because each time she assured him that it was for the king and queen's glory that she would sing. If it will bless just one broken heart, then I shall sing the song to comfort them. Soon the cherishing palace was filled with guests whose hearts swelled with love for the kindly prince and his parents, the king and queen. Songbirds filled the branches of this tree and joined in with joy and delight each time she sang. Now one day, it so happened that while the child was standing beside her grand white instrument, singing the song of her heart, that the prince came once more to visit her. I have been asked to deliver a message to you from the king and the queen, he told her. They have a special assignment that they would like you to accept in the heart of their kingdom in the land beneath the clouds. They want you to disguise yourself in a costume of flesh and carry the fruit of the tree to the realm where there is hopelessness and despair. They would like you to go and share the song of your heart with the souls of men, women, and children who have forgotten who they truly are. Will you come with me to their royal courts and speak with them about this assignment? The cherished child shivered inside. She loved this place with its many windows overlooking the clouds that danced in the shapes of castles and crowns and royal scepters. She loved the security of this heavenly palace, the living tree, and the numberless songbirds that accompanied the songs of her heart. Why would I ever want to leave this place? It is home to me. The kindly prince 
led her by the hand and sat her down beside him. Our wayward brother has been cast out of the kingdom for seeking his own glory, and he is taking many souls with him. They are whispering lies to the souls of men who live in the land beneath the clouds. Father and mother need some who are willing to go down and sing the song of redeeming love upon the earth. It is not a song that the whole world will have ears to hear. It is a song that will prepare hearts for my coming. There are other morning stars who are being asked to perform a similar work, but more morning stars are needed. We need a whole constellation of stars to shine the truth, enough to scatter sunbeams upon the whole earth. There simply is not enough song being sung about redeeming love to touch all the hearts that are groping in forgetfulness. The song needs to be sung to one heart at a time. But there is other music in that sphere that is drowning out the song that can save souls. This song, the song of redeeming love, must be spread across the whole earth like a great comforter. For there are hearts that are broken, shivering, lost, and forsaken, that can only be mended, warmed, and ministered to by the song of the hearts of those who believe in love and light and truth. Now will you go and turn sorrow into song? I will help you. But in order to reach their hearts, you must experience immense suffering to be able to burst open your heart so that the song will spill forth from your soul. In order to accomplish this mission, you must also descend to the earth, having forgotten all, all memories of this glorious time that we have spent here together must be sealed from your remembrance. But there is one thing that I cannot veil from you. You will never forget how much you love me or your father the king and your mother the queen. That is the one clue you may take with you. Follow your heart and you shall discover the missing clues to who you truly are and to your true purpose, calling, and mission in the land beneath the clouds. If you are willing to become a partaker of my sufferings in descending to the world below, you shall one day be made a partaker of my glory, and you shall inherit eternal life in your Father's kingdom. Now I bid you, will you accept this call? The cherished child knew that she must soon put on the cloak of forgetfulness, as she had watched so many countless others do. She knew that she must step through a lace curtain that would cause a deep sleep and a forgetfulness to come upon her. She knew that she must forget the faces of so many beloved souls she had come to cherish herself. She knew that she must soon say goodbye to many she would not see for what might seem to be an eternity. She knew that there was a great risk involved, as the land beneath the cloud was fret with many dangers. Fear began clutching at her heart, and it felt like a cold, hard stone that she did not like at all. But what if I get lost and cannot find my way back here? Do not worry, child. I would not use you if I thought I would lose you. If ever you feel lost, down or discouraged, all you need to do is start singing the song of redeeming love, and I will visit you in the innermost depths of your heart. But what if I become so discouraged that I no longer feel like singing? asked the fearful child. I will visit you, child. I promise. You shall never lose your gift. All the angels of heaven enshrouded the cherished child in a cloak called a veil. She looked mysterious to herself as she gazed up for one last moment into the prince's eyes, which had always mirrored back a pure reflection of light, love, and truth. Now disguised even to herself, she wondered how she might ever remember the glass house, the living tree, the bows of green, with thousands of birds perched and all the faces of those she had grown to love. How could she remember this beautiful haven? I must go to bring honor to my father, the king, and to my mother, the queen, and to you, a noble son, the prince of peace. Yes, I will go, send me, 
she whispered as she prepared her heart to step through the lace curtain before her. Many kindred friends and relatives came to bid her farewell. They caressed her cheeks and kissed her brow with a thousand tender angel kisses, each one promising to do all within their power, whether seen or unseen, to assist her in her work in the land beneath the clouds. No, she would never, never be alone, although there would be times when her heavenly heart would grieve for those numerous hosts of heaven to come and cradle her. Now she lifted up her head and took a deep breath. Are we going to earth now? she asked. First, you must be sufficiently prepared. Your heart is very tender and you need to be supported. You must be prepared for what you are about to go through.
that glorious kingdom, not so far away, high above those clouds, the contention began to grow among the souls there. The feeling of contention began to arise like a dark cloud looming over the shining sun. It was not long until a rebellion broke out among the subjects of that royal kingdom. The rebellion was called the War in Heaven. It was an open rebellion against the king, generated by the lies and falsehoods of that wayward young prince. It was a war that was fought with ideas and philosophies. The weapons were cunning weapons of careful and curious devices that were not physically tangible, but spiritually constructed to confuse the mind, to break the heart, and to dim the spirit. The son who spearheaded the entire plot was named Lucifer, which meant son of morning. He was once upon a time a most beautiful spirit whose eyes blazed with light and truth, but he had one weakness, and that was his hunger for the throne upon which his father, the king, ruled the entire kingdom in light, in love, and in truth. He was the eldest of many children and was loved by all, at least in the beginning. But as his countenance began to sour, most could not see the dark pit in the center of his soul which craved power, nor could they see how it was growing like a dark cancer. It began to rule where his glowing heart had once been. Now he began to try to deceive the subjects of the kingdom so that they would overtake the throne and rule by force and secure all the power and glory for himself. There was another brother, though, the one named Jesus, whose countenance lit up the entire universe, who all of the Father's children adored, at least in the beginning. He loved his father the king and his mother the queen very, very much. He honored and revered them both and wanted them to have the glory they deserved and for all of heaven's creations to join him in praising and bringing glory to their names. For they loved the infinite number of their children and ministered to them both night and day. This son believed that all should honor them with the innermost tenderness of their heart, might, mind, and strength. But as the rebellion broke out, and it happened in a moment, after considerable contention had been arising in the heart of Lucifer at a great meeting among the spirit children of the kingdom, the kingly father arose to present a plan that would allow all of his children to gain a body of flesh and blood to be clothed upon in spirit with an endowment called mortality. This plan would offer all the chance to go away to an earth school and prove themselves according to the level of light, love, and truth through obedience that they wished to obtain to. But the kingly father knew that he would need save one to go and perform a mission of extreme honor, loyalty, and duty to himself and the queen. Whoever was chosen must be willing to go and live a life of sacrifice and must be willing to lay down their life to atone for the sins that all the cherished children would commit in their blindness, for some would forget who they truly were and would fall short in their remembrance of their own divine worth and spiritual identity. The first son stepped forth at that meeting one morning. That is when he revealed the true colors he had been so painstakingly hiding by quieting whispers about the kingdom. His intentions were to bring all of the father's children back to him by force, so that not one soul should be lost, he said. Now it seemed he had a host of followers who were ready to reveal their tyrannical plot along with his, and he stood boldly and faced the throne and announced with glowering confidence that he would go and save all of God's children. The payment for his heroism would be that the glory would be his and that he would require a sizable inheritance for his willingness to go and serve us all so dutifully. Again, his plot thickened with the sickening sound of conceit and gloating, which the king immediately saw through. That will not do, spoke the king with firmness and clarity. My cherished children must be free to choose. 
If they are not permitted to choose, there is no way to progress to godhood, but by the freedom to choose and the gift of agency. This plan will not do. The angered son gathered his cloak about him and pushed his way with his small band of followers through the hushed multitudes. He hissed his cursings as he left. His blatant harshness and rudeness towards his father shut up a tremendous pain among the souls gathered there who had come that morning to feast on rays of light and partake of precious truths. That is when Jesus stepped forward. He was a noble son of God who was loved and cherished by all. I will go. Send me. He announced benevolently and humbly as he knelt before the throne of his father on one knee. I will live a life free of sin. I will overcome through thy divine assistance all temptation and give thee, Father, all the glory. O noble King, so that a sacrifice of innocent blood can be shed to purchase the souls of any who forget their true identity and stray into forbidden paths, I will go and reclaim them from death and darkness, from disease and sickness and all infirmities, spiritual, emotional, mental, and otherwise. I will do this so that every royal and cherished child who has ever had the desire may be reclaimed by this ransom. I do not seek to do this for my glory, Father, but for thy glory. Thy will be done. The multitude was quiet and hushed. The strains of foreboding contention and fear dissipated in the very melody of his words and the tone of his tender voice. A stillness prevailed, and many of the king's children began to fall upon their knees as if to bow in utter submission to this perfect plan of salvation. Quietly, peacefully, every knee began to bow, and each tongue began to quietly confess their allegiance to the plan of this noble son. I will send my firstborn son, proclaimed the voice of the king, and all of the hosts of heaven shouted and sang and wept together as morning stars. From the back of the multitude, a song arose, a song from a morning star until all others joined in. Now Lucifer did not cease his wickedness or his efforts to thwart the plan of salvation. As a matter of fact, his desires soured even further as greed and hate grew into unwavering despotism. Soon souls with many weaknesses began taking his side, both male and female. Some thought his plot appealing as they were deceived into believing that if they were forced back to heaven, the risk of falling would not be so great. Others were promised great gifts if they would prove loyal to Lucifer. For various reasons, many forsaken souls betrayed the love, light, and truth and denounced the cherished way that they had once loved, deflecting away from the light and love they had once known so well. The souls of heaven grieved the loss of those they had once known and loved so well. The war in heaven ensued. The opposition grew. Eventually, one-third of all of the king and queen's beloved children forsook them and joined in the hellacious ranks that threatened to destroy the pervading peace. There was among them a once noble spirit named, who was once a great and noble morning star, by the name of Lucerno, his once warm heart had turned cold and bitter, and now he had become a great counselor to the adversary and his plot to overcome the kingdom through unrighteous dominion. The soul 
was once a gifted poet, a prolific writer, and he had a voice that could sing anthems that made the stars of heaven tremble with joy. Now the morning stars that had once known him shuddered in his presence. He was appointed a major general in the armies of Lucifer, whose fiendish plot was to use his once beautiful gifts to darken the minds and influence tender souls away from all that was sacred and true. He had been a beautiful soul once upon a time, but had been swayed by Lucifer to leave the armies of heaven and join now with those troops that defied all that the king stood for. Lucerna was a bold one, and he began to use his once glorious gifts to stir up contention and cause confusion among the heavenly hosts. The quill of his pen was dipped in the poison of criticism and contention, and he used it to write edicts that darkened the minds and pierced the hearts of those who once had been loyal subjects to the king and queen. His voice had once mastered melodies that had serenaded his sisters and brothers so well. And now his voice spoke subtle and crafty lies, denying the authority of those who he had once glorified. His song that had once been so mellow and warming to the soul now became raspy and lost its power to turn hearts to God. During the season of light, love, and truth, he had developed a great love for the king's daughter, that beautiful morning star who loved the king and queen with all of her heart, might, mind, and strength. He had heard her singing one day and asked her if they might sing duets together in the cherishing palace. And so they had sung side by side on numerous occasions in those royal courts in heaven before the king and queen. Now after he deflected from the cause of truth, Lucerno desired her presence by his side, but alas, she would not denounce her commitment or her love and loyalty to her father the king nor to her mother the queen or any of the hosts of heaven. Though she had loved Lucerno deeply once upon a time, and her heart still ached that he had left their dreams and joys behind, all to follow the cause of one so rebellious and angry, she would not denounce her commitment to the plan of salvation or this priceless gift called agency. And so a plot had been devised to subtly and craftily abduct her and bring her into the courts of Lucifer so that she would be taught a thing or two and be converted to his wayward plan. And so it had happened that this minstreling angel was carefully abducted and taken to the other side with the attempt that a thorough conversion to darkness, fear, and unrighteous dominion would result prior to the evening of her birth. There were five attempts made to wound the heart of the king's daughter. She was a delightful child and had been named for her merry heart. You are my merry one, her kingly father often told her. You are one whose merry way brings laughter to my heart and a twinkle to my eyes. For the purpose of our story, we shall call her by the name of Marion because it sounds like the name her father gave to her, my merry one. You can imagine the king's distress, for he knew of the subtle plans of the adversary to capture his daughter, and he allowed it for her experience. He knew of the five attempts that had been made to wound her mind by the quill of Lucerno in the letters that he now wrote her since his deflection to Lucifer's army. He knew of the daggers of ill intent that had pierced his daughter's heart from the cruel words Lucerno sent to his minstreling angel's heart. He knew that his loving daughter had been pierced through her mind and her heart with five fiery bullets. Each bullet was carefully constructed of a poisonous contention that the destroyer assured his followers would wound her nigh unto spiritual destruction. But with each wound came an increased desire to commit her way unto her father, the king, for even in her disadvantaged state of heart and mind, 
she knew to call for his divine protection and power. Still, the strange poison had left its effect each time she was shot at by those fiery darts, for her tender heart remembered the once upon divine love she had hoped would continue to last throughout eternity. Because of the loss of this dream, Marion took sick with a great fever and was rendered too weak to protect herself. Thus, the cunning plot that had been devised to destroy her peace thickened. The plot was this to use the tenderness and the compassion and purity of her own heart against her by stripping her of her shield of light, love, and truth by the energy of criticism, judgment, and hate which Lucerno poured out through the quill of his pen in the letters he wrote to her. One day, in her weakened condition, she was bound and gagged and taken as a prisoner of war, where other noble and righteous ones were suffering from deep wounds which had also pierced their minds and hearts, all by the tempter's attempts to foil the cause of righteousness by crippling the most intelligent of minds and paralyzing the most beautiful hearts with the poison of fear. If the adversary could not get her to doubt the king, then he would get her to doubt herself by slowly inducing that poison whose power was so insidious that only the Son of God could bring souls back into the light. So powerful was this drug that it caused a deep sleep to come upon any soul it was administered to. Such was the device of these workers of darkness to cause souls to doubt their own goodness, their own abilities, and to cause them to forget who they truly are. While there, Marion experienced the harshness of the adversary's soldiers and learned their devices and tactics. She learned about their silent warfare that they devised to ensnare and enslave the righteous by inducing them slowly and imperceptibly with the communicable energies of fear and doubt. It was an energetic warfare. There were many wounded ones in that camp whose hearts were failing them. So Marion mustered her courage and strength and kept right on singing the songs that she had once written with her own feather plume that her father, the king, and her mother, the queen, had given her on the day of her spirit's birth. Now she remembered what her elder brother had once told her when bidding her to sing for the weary traveler. He had bid her to sing the song of redeeming love to those souls who had forgotten who they were when they would go to earth. Now she knew she must exercise her gift with all of her heart, and that by her faith in God, she could overcome this burning fever. Now Marian rose every morning in that camp with the light of the sun and went about her work ministering in song to the enslaved and captive souls who had lost their way or who were being held bound and captive because of their love and loyalty to the king and queen. She whispered to them one by one, you must stop reading Lucerno's letters. You must stop reading his edicts. You must stop listening to his lies. You must denounce all of their bold accusations against us. You must remember the time when you lived in that royal kingdom. You must exercise your faith to overcome the poison of fear and doubt. Do not believe in the lives they tell you about yourself. Concentrate, focus, focus on the pure love of Christ. Keep your mind firm. And then Marion would begin to sing a song of redeeming love to each one who lay wounded in that dark and lowly camp. Marion saw Lucerno one day in the camp and knew immediately that he had become like Lucifer himself. He had personally seen to it that Marion should die from a broken heart. It was his desire to leash her spirit and tether her soul so that she would never experience pure love in time nor in eternity. If I cannot have you eternally, then I shall see to it that no man shall have you eternally, he hissed 
through lips that once had spoken incredibly beautiful promises to her about the love he had for her. Now, with a heart full of broken dreams, she knew that Lucerno's heart and mind had become wounded and darkened to the point until he had completely forgotten the hopes they shared of one day serving the king and queen in another place and time. Dashed were the hopes of a glorious future together in a place called mortality. For his heart had been swayed to the other side, and now he was a presiding authority in Lucifer's own army. One evening, as Marian knelt in her tattered robes ministering to the wounded, she felt staring eyes upon her. She turned as she sensed someone in the attitude of mocking her. There she saw the presence of those who rejoiced over her seeming enslavement, yet their disdain that they could not stop her from singing the song of redeeming love to those held captive, hurled from their eyes. Why do you minister to your brothers? Did I not tell you I would have you for my bride? His dark words chiseled like a knife into her very soul. Did I not curse you with a sore curse that no man would ever have you to be his bride eternally if I could not? Again his words stung, as if yet another fiery dart pierced through her very tender heart. But the pure energy of the song created a shield over her heart so that these hateful tactics could no longer pierce her. Marion spoke clearly and with full presence of mind and heart. Singing the song of redeeming love had been strengthening her feeble mind, making it firm once more. Singing the song of everlasting joy in the midst of this adversity had cleansed her heart from the poisonous effects of fear and doubt. Though there are shackles on my feet, though there are bands about my wrists, so shall I devote my heart unto my true Lord and Master. You have seen to it that I am bound with tethers here in this camp. You have seen to it that I am in earshot of the adversary's counsel by day and by night. You have signed your name upon a warrant for my captivity for time and eternity. But there is one who is mightier than you or your master. Jesus Christ is his name. He is my Lord and Master, and He has already paid a ransom for my sins. He sings to me in the silent chambers of my heart the song of His redeeming love, and He has promised me that He shall continue to lullaby my soul throughout time and all eternity. His love shall heal me in both time and eternity. It shall heal me of the grief I now know because you have turned your cold and bitter heart away from him. He shall heal me of the grief I shall know in mortality, for I have agreed to accept the plan of salvation, which includes enduring opposition in all things. I have accepted that there shall be tears and there shall be trials along the way. I have denounced the plan of force and I have signed my name upon the royal petitions he has made to God to reclaim my soul and the other souls from every kind of darkness, sickness, pain, or injury. And one day I shall walk again with him in paradise singing the song of redeeming love. He is waiting for me now, and soon I shall step through the veil and enter into my sojourn in mortality. Lucerno could not stand the sound of her voice bearing witness of her faith in this Savior. It made his proud heart angry, but even so he could not deny the power of God that was in her heart. Even so, he could not deny to her even now that he felt the truthfulness of her pure testimony. Deep down inside, he groaned with misery, knowing that he had lost Marion forever. Deep down in the empty chasms of his wayward soul, he knew that he not only had lost the battle, he had lost the war in heaven. He could not bear the shining light which shone from her eyes as she bore witness 
of the Savior's power to save her. He would no longer try to silence her attempts to cleave to the source of all light, love, and truth, for he knew the song of her heart could not be silenced by him. The more he had tried to stop her from singing, the more pure the song had become. He had tried to paralyze her with fear tactics. He had tried to threaten her by shooting arrows of doubt into her mind. But that sweet and delicious pure love song fed her soul and brought her back to life each time she sang it. Now instead of following him into misery, instead she went about her way among the souls in the concentration camp, singing song after song of redeeming love, promising all those who were being held hostage in that camp that soon the Lord himself would come and deliver them all from bondage. Meanwhile, she went about her way, singing to those souls whose tattered hearts and minds still stood in need of mending. She often remembered the moment when her brother, the Prince of Peace, had come and asked her to sing the song of redeeming love to the souls he would send to her. She remembered how he had urged her to go and sing to the one who was weary and sad at heart. Now she could hear the voice of her mother, the Queen, urging her to cradle each soul and to encircle each lost one in the arms of absolute mercy. Remove each fiery dart from the heart and mind with gentle hands, and then encircle that soul in pure love, her mother once told her when Marian had asked, But mother, how would you rescue a rebellious soul? Now she remembered her mother's prayerful request that she would go with others and turn hearts that were weary and sad back to the eldest son. Thus he had come to make his request that she would begin singing her songs to those who were waiting for the promised Redeemer. Now she urged the wounded to carry on in strength of heart and mind by singing them the gentle songs she had written on the tablet of her heart when she lived with her father in his castle. Eyes that were glazed with doubt began to lift. Parched lips that were dry for the want of living water began to whisper prayers of deliverance. Remember, Marian whispered as she sang to each one, remember the castle. Remember there were no walls, no windows, no locks, no limitations. Remember who you are. My heart is a garden with flowers in bloom, from seeds planted heavenward in my cherishing room. A room without ceilings, without walls, without floors. As a child, I will enter on my knees through the door. I sit with him cradled, he points to the view, azure skies beckoning to my magnitude. He beckons, I follow him, ascending he leads to treasures within that only he sees. He builds me a castle without walls, without floors, a castle of windows, secret gardens, and more. Wild roses surrender, we dance in the breeze with the music of birdsong, innocence, purity. Round this mansion of glory, flowers nod at his will. I walk with him, talk with him, we rest on the hill. He gardens me, pardons me, blesses each precious thorn. Crimson roses are bowing. Dancing, I am reborn. He builds me a castle without walls, without floors, a castle of windows with a view I adore. My heart is his garden, pure love is the seed, the voice of sweet melody cherishing me. Ascending his staircase, illusions burst light, tiptoeing cross moonbeams, connecting stars in the night. The truth grows brighter, pure love streams from his eyes. I am a house with new windows filled with love, truth, and light. I am becoming a castle without walls, without floors. My heart is his mansion, his secret garden adored. New rosebuds are blossoming, fragrance dancing the breeze. 
while the message of birdsong serenades me from sleep. I am rising towards heaven as I dance in his light, one rose in his garden becoming pure white. Picture 